Welcome to Passports and Postcards, where we discuss everything travel, from cultural inspirations to exciting destinations and everything in between. With your host, Randall McKeown. I would like to welcome to the podcast today, Lisa McGrath, a coach and author. Lisa helps entrepreneurs and coaches get published. Lisa is the founder and CEO of Pages with Purpose and a house with four rooms. Lisa has been called to walk the Camino twice and joins us today to tell us her story. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, I love talking about the Camino. We want to hear about the Camino. Now, Lisa, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you're currently doing? I think there's some books behind you. Oh, yes. So I have lots of books. Um, I'm an international best-selling author, a national board certified teacher, a coach, and a publisher. So I've I've leaned into the books, let's say, in the in the articulation of the word. I grew up in a, a turbulent household, found myself homeless at 14 years old, and I found respite at the library. So books have been my salvation. I can go there and escape. I can go there to learn. And it's just, they're my friends. So I surround myself with books. Um, matter of fact, that's one of the things I do with Pages of Purpose is I edit and help format and publish other people's books. But I also teach a writing and publishing and marketing class. And right now I'm in the middle of teaching it. We have different entrepreneurs, coaches, and aspiring authors writing their own chapters of why, why they do what they do. And I use that, those chapters to teach them how to publish. And so it's pretty exciting. I've been editing all day. It brings me back to that whole power of why. Why do you do what you do? Why are you the person you are? And that kind of brings me right to the Camino because I was called to walk the Camino. And it was at the first time was in 2012. And not only did I feel called to go, my, my son, my younger son actually accompanied me. So if I, if you, if I may, I'll go back in time a little bit. And I had read um, Shirley McLean's book and we were living in Europe and I knew about the Camino, but as we were moving back to America, my younger son didn't want to leave. We loved Europe. And so he said, let's stay and walk uh, and do these tours. And I said, no, of course we have to go with the family and go. Well, after um, a turbulent divorce and picking my life and putting the pieces back together, I knew it was time. I was felt called to go. So my son was um, in uh, South Korea at the time teaching English, and I wrote and said, "It's I've got I've got to go. I'm going at this summer." And he says, "You're not going without me." It was a trip that we planned when he was 12 years old. Well. I went to the doctor. The doctor says, no, physically, you're not going to be able to do this. You're not in shape. You're not, you know, health reasons. And I said, no, you don't understand. There's a higher calling. I'm going to go. Now, when you start doing research and you start learning about the way, you start learning about the Camino de Santiago, you learn that, first of all, everyone has the Christ life in them and they help one another. As a pilgrim, you, you're there to help each other. And we have more in common 
than what separates us. And so that was exactly my magical experience. My son and I walked. Not only did we start in Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, which is a small village in France, we went straight up the Pyrenees Mountains. And I was not in shape. I, I do admit I was not. And walked all the way across northern Spain. And we didn't stop at Santiago, the cathedral. That's where you usually typically you go there and you'll earn a Compostela, a certificate. We kept going and we went to Finisterre, which is called the end of the world. And there's a mile marker, 0.0 kilometers. And I remember we celebrated my son's 28th birthday up at the lighthouse. And I pulled out of the bag our, the meal I had made, which was tuna sandwiches with fresh bread. And I pulled out a bottle of wine. And then I pulled out a small birthday cake. And I'll never forget his look on his face. And he's like, mom, where did you get all this? And then he stopped and he said, wait, who's been carrying it? Because keep in mind, you've got your backpack on. And so what you're carrying is what you're typically what you're going to need on this journey. And it's about 30 to 40 days. It was 40 days for us. And I had to laugh and say, yeah, you've been carrying it in your backpack. Each day I was sneaking things into his backpack. But you realize right away that this is a, a journey of three, really three journeys. The first one is very physical. So when I said I was going up those Pyrenees, oh my goodness, I, I had struggled. The second part, it's flat, it's the meseta, and this is the, really the emotional part of the journey. And all of a sudden, your thoughts well up and bubble up in your mind, and you really start thinking uh, about different things about your life, who you are, where you come from, what your belief systems are, and who you want to be. And that's when you start learning about gratitude and forgiveness. I think that really comes in at that part of the journey. And then the third part is spiritual, because now the towns are getting closer and closer, and there's a church in every, every town. And of course, to earn the Compostela, you have to walk that last 100 kilometers. So you see more people. And so you, it's, again, that third part of the, the journey. It was so magical, Randall, that I couldn't wait to go back again. And every time I planned and felt called, something happened. So for example, I'm supposed to go back again. And in 2015, I'm trying to get ready to go. And the doctors are all saying, no, you can't go. There's something wrong. Turns out I had ended up having an emergency open heart surgery. And in that, I lost part of my, I lost my lung. So I have one lung and that's even damaged. So I heal from that. I do the best and I'm still continue to heal from this. And I said, no, I'm, you don't understand to the doctor. I'm called to go. So I went back again in 2017. And again, I was a little bit slower. It was much harder for me to do, but I did it. So then I planned to go back in 2019. And unfortunately, my two-year-old grandson, I was holding his hand. I fell off a step and I broke my leg. So I wasn't going back that year. I had hoped to go back again. And then, of course, it was the pandemic. And so it's still in my mind. I'm still called to go. And when it's time is right, I believe 
the doors will be open and I will be able to go. And this time, rather than take the French route, I think I might try, because of my health conditions, a shorter route, the Portuguese route, and do that one. Because that one's only about 100 kilometers. So I think I'll do that one. (laughs) Well, to me, uh, anybody can do either one of them, you know, just talking about climbing that mountain. Yeah, uh, and like to say, sometimes it's 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 all about the climb. I guess that's in the song. It's all about the. Climb. Now you said you've done it twice. Now would you say the which experience would you say were they different, or would you say you the second one was basically what you experienced in the first one? They were different. Totally different. They were different. Even though I went on the same the way, I went on the French way. It was different because, first of all, the infrastructure was different. It had grown, okay? So that was there. Um, the fact that I still had the blistered feet, and, I, you know, I still had trouble um, breathing. And, and, and like you said, carrying that weight. So there's different weight. So if I can, for a moment, I want to talk about that weight. And it's not only the weight of what's in your backpack. It reminds you of the weight of what you're carrying in your heart and in your mind. And so I teach and I've followed this philosophy of the Indian proverb, a house with four rooms. And it states that you should think of yourself as having four rooms. You have your physical, your mental, your emotional and spiritual room. And it tells you to go into each one of those four rooms daily for your well-being to be a complete person. And so thankfully, I had that as a foundation, that that's how I was living my life. When I even when I had these emergencies, I still relied on these. But I don't know if you've had the same experience when and when you had your heart attack. But I realized what was really important in my life, and I realized as much as I work, 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 that I didn't want to live to work. I wanted to live to live. And one of the things you do when you go on the Camino is you unplug. So now when you take yourself and you're traveling, and this is where you're an expert, you're traveling, you're taking yourself out of your environment. So now you're not, your thoughts are different and you're open to these new thoughts coming in. You're open to these new feelings. You're open to these new experiences, new foods, meeting new people, conversations, music, whatever, you're open. And so I think that's really part of living. And if people close themselves off, they're, they're missing out on, on so much. But when we talk about what you're carrying on your, on your back, that's the weight and you're bringing your things. And in, I'm writing a memoir based on the Camino. It's called A Pilgrimage to Self. And it talks about what are you carrying? Because you don't want to carry your worries and fears. Because there's a lot of weight with that. You don't want to carry guilt and shame. And so one of the magical, probably one of the most magical times, both trips, was the tradition of carrying a rock from home. So you carry a stone that represents your burdens and you carry it. And when you get to this wonderful place called Cruz de Ferro, so meaning iron cross, and all of these pilgrims from all over the world have done this and they've brought their stones, their rocks, and there's a hill. And that moment that you're carrying the stone and it represents your burdens. And all of a sudden I felt my stone it felt heavier as the closer I got. Keep in mind, I carried this all the way from the United States, right? But I remember the first time I had written all what I thought all my burdens were on the stone because I didn't want to carry one stone for each burden. 
So I have all of these on there, as well as um, I had all students and friends and church people ask, can you carry a stone for me? No, I can't carry a stone for you. I have my own burdens. But what I did is I let them hold my stone and then I wrote on the stone to represent them and honor them. But when you go into Cruz de Ferro, and I can remember the first time my son and I, we left early because I I wanted to get a picture without other people in the in the shot. I'm, I'm spoiled that way. So we get up early and we left. And just before the sun was coming up, my son took my picture of me saying goodbye to my burdens, to my stone, at the top of the hill, next to that iron cross, and the sun was coming up behind me. I felt like a weight had been lifted. I, my, there was more spring in my step. I still had blisters, but there was more spring in my step. The second time, I did the same thing, but this time I actually carried two stones because my pilgrimage was I was really praying for healing, not only for myself, because as I said, I had some health issues, but my prayer partner was also experiencing health issues. And so um, she had a stone that she prayed with every day. Well, I was going to pray and walk this journey in, in hopes of spiritual healing for her. But unfortunately, just a few days or weeks before my trip, she passed away. And so one of the things I asked her husband for, something that I could carry of hers because I was walking in her spirit and in her honor. And he gave me her stone. So I carried Barb's stone and my own stone. And when I got to Cruz de Ferro, I can remember kissing her stone and gently placing it down at the Iron Cross. And then and he took out my in, out of my pocket and I looked at it and I realized I don't need this anymore. I don't need to carry the weight of these burdens. If I continue to live my why, if I continue to align my values and my morals, my thoughts and heart with my actions, I don't need to carry the burdens. So I threw the rock down. And it's just a spiritual, it's a great moment of realization of who am I and who do I want to be? So that it's magical. It's absolutely magical. I, what can I say? I'm sort of caught up in this emotionally, I guess, uh, with your journey and your late friend's journey as well, because she was there in spirit with you. I don't know why we we hang on to the past. It's, it's, it's it, we can so many people wish the past was different. Well, it's not going to change. Wishing no. is not going to make a change. So there comes a time for acceptance. And I think one of the things I learned was forgiveness. We don't forgive for the other person. We're forgiving for ourselves. We're releasing that burden. And so that's really important to know that we don't have to, you know, the behaviors or what, you know, we feel the victimized or you know, those other travesties. We don't have to take that trauma. We can accept that that's what it was. And then at the end of the day, I'm going to do the best that I can do. And 
the only thing in my power is how I choose to respond. We have to do it for ourselves. As you said there about forgiveness, it's forgiveness for ourselves, not for those who have done wrong to us, because they have to ask for their own forgiveness. Exactly. We can we walk our journey. So the Camino, it it, it teaches you that there's no right one way. There's no you know one right way. There's many ways. And I believe religion is like that too. We there's no one right way living our lives. There's no right way. Everyone has to, as an individual, has to find their way. Again, aligning what what your heart, your mind, your body, and your spirit. Have you been an avid traveler? I I heard in your messaging at the beginning that you were spent some time in Europe. Uh, was that because of work or family or and studying? Um, I yeah, I've um, I've decided that I'm a lifelong learner. Again, I told you about my refuge was a library. And so I also believe as a, as a teacher and mentor that you don't just learn in a school building. The global society that we live in is our schoolhouse. And so I take advantage of that whenever I can. I love traveling. I can remember writing a, one of my thesis was on the Sistine Chapel ceiling. And to be able to actually, after having written the, the written it and done all that to actually go there and see it with your own eyes how magical my other thesis was on um, the sustainability of living a life uh, of choice a, pil- a pilgrimage to self this is really uh, you know since grad school way before grad school I think it's always been with me and I can remember taking um, classes in Italy in Florence that's how I love to travel, especially if I'm by myself. It's a safe way for me to travel because I meet other people at the destination. And so I took a sustainability class in Italy and Florence, and I learned about the, and I stayed in a castle. And in this castle, we did everything. We learned to cook. We had pasta classes. We had wine and olive oil classes, prosciutto. We learned so many different things. But the Europeans, their way of life is so different from the life of an American at home, for at least my family. And I wanted that. I wanted the conversation. I think we have so much in common, we need to share it. And we have so much to learn from one another and from our travels. So by just having a dialogue and sharing that, for me, that's a way to visit your mental room. Remember I said four rooms, Mm -hmm. that intellectual room of learning and exposing yourself to new things. So that was a wonderful time. Another, I went to, to England and I rented a flat for the summer. And I took classes. I took a children's literature class. Again, books. I took a multicultural class, Shakespearean class at the Globe Theater. Again, the thirst to learn and to expose myself. And so now here I am, this this person being able to help others publish their stories. It's funny. When I was homeless, I still went to school. I went to school because my stepmother told me I wouldn't. And I wasn't good enough. 
and I was going to prove them wrong. And as an overachiever, that's when I went to school and got four degrees and I keep going, right? But in high school, I went to my favorite teacher, English teacher, of course, right? Mm -hmm. And I told him I wanted to be an author. I wanted to be a playwright. He told me I had lofty dreams, that it was my job because I was born a woman to get married and have children, that I should just settle, that that's what it is. And it was funny because that's not what I want. That's not the only thing I wanted, right? But that's what I did. I followed directions. <laughs> and then once I was divorced, once I had the empty nest and I was going through, and now I'm working, 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 I thought, here I am as an achievement coach helping everyone make their dreams come true. I'm going to take my dream off the shelf. And so I reached over, took my dream of writing a book off the shelf, and I started writing. And one thing led to another. And now after speaking at the uh, summits and podcasts and writing, and I'm able to help entrepreneurs, coaches, and aspiring authors. And they get to write and share their story, their experiences. As a traveler, you've been, you know, like even being receiving your calling twice, and now maybe even third time. It's just saying, come, well, we'll tell you when to come. You'll know when you're ready. They'll know when the calling will know when they really send that message to you and pull you in. But for young people just starting out, and and I've experienced this in my life as a, a travel advisor is dealing with young people, trying to get them out of their comfort zone, trying to get them to explore not just their own backyard, but get out and explore the world when they can. Um, is there any advice, something that you would give them or something you learned when you're growing up about travel? Mm, that's, a, that's a great question. Yes. First of all, do it. You know, just get out there and do it. But as we talked about earlier, what are you going to carry? You don't have to pack everything, okay? And in most places that I've been and I've traveled the world, there's stores. So if I really forgot something, guess what? I could go and get it. So don't take what you need. Bring items that are multifunctional and, and only bring what you need. So that's one piece of advice. The other is wherever you're going to go, I like to, I like to do a little research about where I'm going. I want to have a little bit of an itinerary, but I have to also realize that I might not stick to that itinerary. Life comes up. Teachable moments come up. So don't be sold on just that, you know, stick to that list that you have to do, that bucket list. And the other thing is get there and meet the locals. Because when you meet the locals, now you're talking about some really great food because they're going to introduce you to the restaurants that you need to go to. And typically, in my experience, that's part of my whole ex educational experience of traveling is to get to know the people that are there. And when they honor you by inviting you home and say, come to our dinner table, to me, let's break bread together. That's huge. Come in my kitchen and cook with me. Or if they say, listen, you can sleep in, in my daughter's room, my son's room. Here, we'll sleep on the sofa. You can do that. That's generosity of the heart. And that allows us to know, again, to let that kindness ripple. So I don't worry about what you're packing. Just take enough. Secure, wear a money belt. 
So you're still thinking about where am I going? How am I going there? I got to be safe. But know that there's freedom in travel. There's freedom in saying hello to a stranger and meeting them and learning about what they love and what they do. It will enrich your life more than money could ever. Now, as we're getting close to the end of the show, I know there's a lot of things you are working on because, yes, I did a little bit of research on you just to see what you're doing. But is there something you would like to share with our listeners that you're working on or maybe even some other future travel trips other than your calling, third calling to the Camino? What would you like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I I feel pretty blessed. I got lots of great things happening in my life. Not only uh, in January, I'll be starting another section of my writing, publishing, and marketing class to teach those people about sharing their messages of why. But because of the work that I've chosen, I can be a nomad. And so one of the big trips that we're planning, we have a motorhome. And so we're going to be planning a trip to Alaska. Um, hopefully in the next couple of years, we're hoping to, so we're doing our investigation now, as well as we have a trip that I'm planning that will not only take us all the way from Washington state, we want to go all the way across to Maine and experience the changing of the leaves, the fall colors, and go down that East Coast following Route 1, you know, hitting all those wonderful places, the lobster and all of the other goodies that we'll have, and go down into the South. Maybe like you just said, the Keys. I've not been to the Keys. So that's a place on my bucket list. And then come right back up and go through New Orleans and go over to uh, New Mexico as well as, you know, Las Vegas and (laughs) and a few of those places. And then right up the Pacific Coast Highway back to Washington. So, So I've got a couple trips that I'm investigating. I'm excited about. And I just can't wait for the world to open up again, to be a healthy place, an easy place to travel. My children live in in, uh, South Korea, and it's time for me to go back again and visit. So I'm I'm impatient, and I'm so grateful for technology because I still get to be a part of their lives. And they take me on their little trips, and I get to see things again. Take advantage. Take advantage. I don't know where we would be if this happened, well, 40 years ago when we didn't have all this technology. I know in Toronto, we experienced SARS in 2003. It was devastating, but it passed. So when we came across COVID, I thought it would be something that would be over maybe six to eight weeks maximum. But here we are almost 20 months later and we're still dealing with it. Uh, I know here in the greater Toronto region, we've just started reopening. I think it started in August, but we were probably under lockdown the longest in North America. And it was difficult in, I would say, they say, what's the biggest thing that you've experienced during this pandemic? For me, it's the loss of freedom. As you said, freedom to travel. And for someone that loves to travel, when someone tells me, especially when my neighbor's border is closed to me mm-hmm. and I can't cross over. I could fly over if I had business on the U or if I can prove I have business on the U S side, I can fly over, but I don't, but I love traveling in the States. I love traveling Canada, but I love traveling the States because again, so beautiful. The people are wonderful. 
I've had great experiences on the West Coast, on the East Coast, doing a little bit of more central USA and getting to, well, had been right up until the pandemic. But getting to see how big this North America really is down into Mexico as well. So, you know, we're just a little speck in this world. We're just all trying to do our part. But as I just want to say, and, and you probably would probably echo it is, you know, it's one life. So make it the best life you can. Leave the baggage behind. You can't control the past. You can't change the past. It is what it is. You can learn from the past and move forward. Live in the present. Don't worry too much about the future. You can try to make plans, but make sure your plans aren't locked in. Make sure that they're movable because, again, something like a pandemic can come up that we're not prepared for. So live in the present. Be present for those around you. And what I mean present is when your family get together, drop down the devices, have a conversation, be present. I want to thank you, Lisa, for being on the show today. I think we could talk for hours because I really inspired about your story about the Camino. And hopefully you can get back to the Camino for the third time very soon. And we'll keep in touch to find out when that journey happens. And your amazing planning of this trip around the U.S., what a way to see your country is. Border to border to border to border. So all the way around. And, you know, because we are such a big, you know, Canada and United States so big, I know traveling. It's like going in. People are different everywhere. So even though we're, you know, in the States, you're Americans. In Canada, we're Canadians. But you go coast to coast and we're totally different. But we're proud of who we are. We're proud of our country. And we should be proud of ourselves. So thank you for being on the show. And I will look forward to keeping in touch with you and finding out what your next journeys are. Thank you. And I can't wait to see you on the Camino. One day, one day. (laughs) 